Thanks for listening to the Revival Today podcast with evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth. To stay connected, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, or online at revivaltoday.com. Now, here's evangelist Jonathan. I want you, if you have your Bibles, open them with me to Acts, the second chapter. Lord willing, I want to take Wednesday morning, Thursday morning, and Friday morning. And uh, if you're watching online, you already have my title. Bible Secrets for Supernatural Church Growth. So the Lord spoke to us to start a church. Um, we started it the first weekend of last year, uh, 2022, December 31st, January 1st. January 2nd was our first Sunday, and uh, we started with about 280, and then we quickly broke 400. We had seven-something for Easter, then we broke 1,000 at at uh, September, so I'm not teaching this as like I'm the expert on church growth. There's churches that have more people in their choir and uh, more associate pastors than I have in my whole church, but I want to go through some things that the Lord put on my heart in starting a church that'll help ministers and will also help people that are in church. I think a lot of people go to church, they don't even know what church is. It's a place you try to get to on Sunday morning and be faithful there, but that's not what you read in the book of Acts. Peter's not trying to get people to come back. It's a, it's a, well, we'll, sh- we'll show you what church is. But I, I want to be up front that I'm not teaching this. You know, I'm sure I have pastors watching me online that have much more people than me in stronger churches. But God has done a supernatural work in 17 months. We had, uh, we've broken 1,000 several times. Last week we had 760-some to come here at Dallas preach. One Sunday we baptized 92 people, new people in one Sunday, and uh, that is, though it's not the greatest in the world by any chance, probably not top 500 um, or 1,000. It is across grain from what's going on in the United States because anything that you read in the U.S. is churches are shrinking and uh, attendance is down and money's down. So I want to show you some things that God put in my heart when I started the church. Like I would have taught this on week one because I had some things I felt in my spirit from the Bible would work, and then I proved them that they'll work. And I always felt that way, because the Bible works. And I would have people say, well, you know, we'd have a meeting two or three weeks as an evangelist. The church would pack out, out the doors. And the pastors oftentimes were dismissive of it. Well, he's an evangelist. He can say those things because he's an evangelist. I used to think, I'm not saying it because I'm an evangelist. I'm saying it because I'm a preacher. If I was a pastor, I would be more loose-lipped because I'd be in my own house. Just like if you're at somebody else's house for dinner, you behave a little bit. And when you're at your place, you let the dishes fly. Amen. So uh, I, wrote, I wrote down seven things, and I want to start in Acts chapter 2 because this is the birth of the church. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were meeting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of their heads. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Ghost and began speaking in other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Now, if people want to debate whether that's for today or not, that's up to them and they're free to do so. This is America. You're free to do whatever you want. But you're not going to read any verse in the Bible that 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 passed away or that was for that group. People added that later to explain away why they weren't having why their church services look so opposite from the Bible. You know, hey, uh, Pastor, I was reading in the Bible, they were bringing crowds of sick that their shadows might fall across them and they'd be healed. 
and that they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And by the hands of the apostles were signs and wonders wrought. How come uh, we're not seeing too much of that? Well, you know, we believe that that was for then. So rather than press in and have it, you know, I'll give you an example. I took uh, my daughter to a, to a hockey game. We were driving back. I mentioned this one of the other night. She said, I'd like to see a miracle. Not like she watches a Bible cartoon called um, Superbook. She said, not like on Superbook. I'd like to see like an actual miracle in real life. So I said, well, in the meantime, since we're not in a, it's just me and you in the living room and you don't need a miracle. Uh, I'm not going to try to get like the bowl of sugar to levitate or anything like that. <laughs> I said, um, I'll put on A.A. Allen. So I played, her, I played a clip from A.A. Allen where he prays for a boy that was born with no bones in his legs. And by the end, the kid starts walking. So then Camila goes, that's awesome. Is there any more on there? I said, oh, yeah, there's a lot on here. So we basically watched A.A. Allen videos for close to three hours uh, on a school night. I never said I was the best father. And uh, <laughs> she said, you should do more of that in your meetings. Well, that's convicting. But then on the 21 days of fasting and prayer, that was at the end of the year, November or something. And um, we, were, we were speaking in the church. There's a lady in a wheelchair. And as I was speaking on the communion teaching, not even preaching hard or anything, she stood up. And then uh, I said, I don't think you're supposed to be able to do that, are you? She shook her head, no. I said, well, let's walk. So we walked. She loosened up. And her daughter had driven her. And you could tell her daughter wasn't a Christian, or I could tell her daughter wasn't a Christian, just drove her mom to be, to be nice because her mom needs a ride. And her daughter was crying. So then when she finished walking and everybody was cheering, the daughter said, I, I'd like to, to, to receive Jesus. Just like that, I never asked. And then she received Christ. And the funny thing was, though, when the lady started walking, I walked her down the aisle, I walked her this way, and then she walked this way. And when I walked this way, Camila was sitting over here, she went like this to me. Like, that's what, I was, uh, that's what I was telling you you needed more of. So I say that because, yeah, I'm not having what, what, what you read in the book of Acts. I haven't dismissed church, and they have 200 people on mats on the sidewalk, so on my way to my car to get something to lunch, perhaps my shadow might fall across them. But you need to know where the mark is to press towards. Instead of just saying, well... You know, can you imagine going to a gun range and you can't land any hits on the target, so you just deny that there's a target? Hey, you missed the target with all 11 shots. I don't believe there is a target. I believe the target passed away with the last apostle. No. You're not going to... It's difficult to hit a small target. It's impossible to hit a target you don't have. So you can't start making excuses for why things aren't working. When the Bible shows you the explosive growth of the early church, it's not just showing it to you. It's showing you how they got there. How did they get there? That's where I got my title from. Bible Secrets for Supernatural Church Growth. To go from 120 in the upper room and have 3,000 added in one day. That's supernatural. To go from a church from 120 to 3,120, you, you can't plan that. And so who did it? The Holy Ghost did it. Is the Holy Ghost still available for us today? Yes, he is. So then we should not make excuses. Furthermore, were they in Tennessee or Kentucky or Texas? You know, you hear people, well, I pastor in New York State. It's much tougher there. Tougher than the Roman Empire in the Middle East where you were jailed and beaten? I don't, you know, you can't make excuses. Whatever hardship I have to face in Pittsburgh pastoring <laughs> or, or obstacles, whatever you want to call it, it's nothing co compared to what these guys did and built a large church, 3,000. Then a couple chapters later, 5,000. Then they said, who are these men who have filled the whole of Jerusalem with their doctrine? 
And then who, uh, chapter 17, who are these men who have turned the whole world upside down? No radio, no TV, no Facebook ads, just, just sowing the word. And that was in one lifetime, 20, 30, 40 years. So the Bible says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they all began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everybody say loud noise. Loud noise. The first church service was loud. Everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken out by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be? These people are from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are. It's going to list all the places they're from for the sake of time. End of verse 11. And we hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed, but others in the crowd mocked, saying, uh, these people are drunk, that's all. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about it. These people are not drunk as you suppose. People don't get drunk by nine o'clock in the morning. Peter had never been to Arkansas. It's much too early for that. No, what you see today was predicted by the prophet Joel, that in the last days, saith God, so He's not saying, yeah, I know this is a one-time thing. He's telling you that this is something that's going to continue throughout the last days. I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Everybody say sons and daughters. Now, the interesting thing to me is how the Southern Baptist Church is against women preachers, but then they're also against the manifestations of the Holy Ghost. So the way that they, uh, and and I'm I'm, I'm going to do a lot of pro-Southern Baptist stuff. But this is one thing, I'm just, I'm not knocking it. I'm telling you something I don't understand. I don't understand how you can say, well, we don't believe in the gifts of the Spirit for today. So then you say, well, what do you do with that scripture? Your sons and daughters will prophesy. They'll say, well, prophecy means to speak forth the word of God under the power of the Spirit. Okay, then how do you ban women preachers? Because the Bible says, according to your doctrine, your sons and daughters will speak forth the word of God under the power of the Spirit. Uh, T.L. Osborne said, if we start shackling half the body of Christ, we're in trouble. 60% of foreign missionaries are women. So uh, that, that, that's not good if you start telling women they can't preach. Some of the greatest preachers in United States history were women. Uh, the lady who built the largest church in America in her generation was Amy Simple McPherson. When she would come home from preaching evangelistic meetings, there'd be 5,000 people at the train station just to catch a glimpse of her, and she was a woman. And... Uh, the Bible, Deborah in the Old Testament, there were women that would do what, what men want to do. So women have a great role to play in the body of Christ beyond baking cookies for fellowship after church. Although I like that part too. Everybody say sons and daughters. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days I'll pour out my spirit on all, on all my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. I'll cause wonders in the heavens above, signs on the earth beneath, blood, fire, and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before that great and glorious day of the Lord arrives, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I'm going to skip towards the end of his message. Acts 2.37. Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to the first 12 apostles, and then that's it. 
This promise is to you, to your children, and to those that are far off in Tennessee, wherever you're watching from online. Even all who have been called by the Lord our God. Everybody say, this is for me. me. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked and perverse generation. Then those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all, 42. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper and prayer. So it tells you the four things they built it on. A deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. All the believers met together in one place, 44. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything that they had or had all things in common. Number one, church growth is part of God's end time prophetic agenda. This is the the first for a reason. Because until you settle this, again, it's difficult to hit a small target. It's impossible to hit a target you don't have. There's people that just defend having a small church to the death. If they hear any talk about a mega church or, or church growth, well, I believe, I believe God has a place for small churches too, brother. Yes, he does. For them to win souls, disciple them, and become large churches. It's not rocket science. You don't even have to understand uh, multiplication or calculus. If you understand addition, if you're taking in more people than you're losing, your church grows. And you don't have to be a Bible scholar. No, God wants the church to take in more people than it loses. Yeah, you can focus. Jesus lost Judas. Uh, but that was one of the 12. You lose people. No matter what you do, people flake out. People, people cut out on their marriage vows. People won't pay child support. You can't control that. But I would like to, I mean, anybody that's watching me, I want to I wanna know. I preached in Queens, New York. I was probably 31 years old, 32. And I was preaching on revival, God's plan to explode churches, how they're, how they're to be big and not small. And uh, the pastor came up to me. You know, which by the way, there was probably... Tw- Less than 30 people Sunday in Queens. You know, how you can even do that? And I'm not trying to be harsh, but, you know, that shows you how demonic that is. And people have faith for financial increase. They have faith for healing and miracles. If you understand increase, everything's supposed to increase. How do you have a prosperity church that teaches on how God will take your $100 seat and make you a millionaire, and you can't take that same principle and understand that God will also multiply crowds that come to hear the word? Yeah. Though your beginning be small, your latter end shall greatly increase. So again, if you're watching it, and there, there are many, this is to encourage pastors, but I do have to kick that thing in the groin that, that, that has made you feel superior to Joel Osteen because you, I'm actually doing it right. And the reason he has a big church, he doesn't preach the full word. I'm kind of like more of a gym. You know, at the Super Bowl, there's 50,000 people. But how many are at the gym on Monday morning? This church is like a gym. We make people do the work. We preach the real gospel, and that's what keeps people away. So was Jesus preaching a fake gospel? The Bible says multitudes. You didn't have a few people coming to hear him. Jesus had multitudes coming to hear him. So you have to stop making excuses that, well, we're in the last days. People don't want to hear the Bible. That's why our church, no. People have never. People have always resisted the word. (laughs) You think there's a harsher resistance to the word in 2023 than there was in, in 33 or 32 A.D.? 
However much people have not received your word. You know, at our church, one of our deacons got mad because I preached against drinking. Did he pick up stones in the parking lot and hit you in the head with them? Because Jesus, two different times before he went to the cross, one time they went to push him over a cliff. Another time they went to stone him to death. So I don't want to hear about this great, there's not a great resistance to the word in America. There's a great hunger. We're 10 a.m. on Wednesday and there's, you're running out of chairs. We're totally running out of chairs at night. The people are hungry. Anybody hear of evangelist Reinhard Bonnke? There was a big conference of preachers and this guy went on and on about how we need to make the word of God relevant. The reason we're not growing our evangelistic ministries and our pastoral ministries is the word has to be made relevant. He's going on and on. And Reinhard Bunke stood up in the middle of his message with like 200 top preachers there. And in his German accent, I mean, there's no better accent to rebuke someone in. (laughs) French is the language of love. German is the language of anger. He stood up and said, bread doesn't need to be made relevant to a starving man. And sat down, and that pretty much ended that guy's sermon. (laughs) T.L. Osborne said, if your ministry is going to have success, you have to be convinced of two things. Number one, what I have, everyone needs. And so whether they know it or not, they need it. You have a transgender person. We've had three or four come to our church and come to the altar and and get saved. They might have gotten mad initially, but deep down, what, what I have, they need. And they're they're going to realize that as I preach. Number one, what I have, everybody needs. Number two, everybody needs what I have. So you have to be convinced you're not forcing something on people against their will. Deep, God created them to receive the thing you're giving them. And number two, they might not know it, but they need, they need what I have. They're hungry for it. There's going to be a big difference if I pastor in Pittsburgh and see Pittsburgh as my enemy. No people here don't want to listen. They don't want the gospel. Or if I say, yeah, they might have had some bad things happen to them that the devil used to build a callus on their heart. But deep down, they need Jesus. And I have Jesus. I don't have to say, oh, Lord, come. No, he's not out there. He lives in my heart. The Holy Spirit's not floating around. We got to pray him down. Open up a portal. Brother Jonathan, I believe we need to open a portal over Jackson, Tennessee. What, is the Holy Spirit a prisoner in heaven? We have to break him out with some kind of supernatural C4? No. You hear people, we need another Pentecost. Actually, the first one was fine. Because he was sent and he was never taken back up. The Holy Spirit, it doesn't need to be like called in. He lives in me. Where I go, he goes. And I'm telling you, he lives in you. And where you go, he goes. Can you say amen? Amen. So number one, you have to convince yourself out of the Bible that church growth is God's prophetic agenda. Everything that God does is created to grow. And everything God does is created to multiply. Turn to Luke chapter 13. Luke, the 13th chapter. This church I'm in this week is a great church. It's two years old. Everybody has to have a beginning place. That's why I'm here. I actually like going to churches that just started, and an evangelist should help give a church a kick in the pants. I, you know, I told him, I, I'm believing. My belief for this meeting actually has nothing to do with while I'm here. My belief, it'll be a success. I'm believing that there'll be double this coming Sunday morning what there was last Sunday morning. I want results that last. An evangelist should help a pastor that way, because an evangelist, if you read Philip, has an explosive growth gift. But I wouldn't have come here if it was year nine. If you're, you know, there's nothing wrong with starting out in a strip mall, year one, year two. 
If you're still there and you're 13 in a little strip mall with 60 seats, World Outreach, True Evangelism, Revival Center, you got a problem. Because everything with God, I mean, you, you look at that building we were given. We can fit 500 in there. We were out of it. I, you know what? My plan, Mr. Church Growth here, I was, uh, I was believing that if I played my cards right, we'd be out of there in five years. And we were out of it in four months. Because if you'll give God a space to move in this last period of time, God, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what's never entered into the heart of man, that's what God has reserved for those who love him. In fact, I'll tell you something I like looking at. You've seen me play Bishop David Oyedepo's video and that church of 50,000. Did you know in the 1980s, they, uh, they had 11 people, average attendance. They were on wooden like benches at a bad little league park, just like wood benches and, and a grass roof. And then he got a hold of Brother Hagin's books and then got a hold of Young E. Cho's books and started working them. It's not about where you are now. It's about the path you choose to go on. But so you make up your mind. Today's going to be the smallest I ever am. You know, it would be, we had 762 last Sunday. If we have 762 six months from now, I address it as a problem. And I think that's kind of what you have to, number one, you have one group that just loves small churches, even Christians. That's why I'm even preaching it. This isn't just for ministers. There's actually, you can't grow a church if you have a church full of people that are against church growth. I actually like a small church. Well, then you and Jesus won't like you. Just so you know, you tick Jesus off. Because Jesus wants a growing church. Can you say amen? You can't tick Jesus off. Oh, yeah. Talk to Ananias and Sapphira about whether you can tick Jesus off or not. If Jesus told us to grow and you resist your pastor trying to grow, I can't even get to him anymore. God didn't put a pastor in your life so you can have somebody to go out to lunch with twice a week. This is not big brothers, big sisters. <laughs> Can you say amen? amen. A, a pastor is to shepherd God's flock, and he's to do the, his primary work from the pulpit. Luke 13. This is Jesus talking. But then again, what does he know? We should listen to the, the seminary people from New York University. Luke 13:6. Then Jesus told this story. A man planted a fig tree in his garden and came again and again to see if there was any fruit on it. But he was always disappointed. So even if you don't believe you can tick Jesus off, you can at least see you can disappoint him. Finally, he said to his gardener, I've waited three years, and there hasn't been a single fig. Cut it down. It's just taking up space in my garden. The gardener answered, Sir, give it one more chance. Leave it another year, and I'll give it special attention and plenty of fertilizer. If we get figs next year, fine. If not, then you can cut it down. So that'll show you Christ's attitude about growth with anything. Everything's supposed to grow. I had no problem uh, wiping my daughter's mouth and helping put food in her mouth when she was two. If you still have to do it at 10, people look at you funny because there's things that are acceptable early that aren't acceptable later on. You're to grow. Can you say amen? Take your Bible and turn to Isaiah chapter 2. Say it out loud. Church growth, Church growth. is God's prophetic agenda. God's prophetic agenda. Isaiah 2.2. 2, In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house will be the highest of all, the most important place on earth. It will be raised above the other hills, and people from all over the world will stream there to worship. People from many nations will come and say, Come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, 
to the house of Jacob's God. There he will teach us his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For the Lord's teaching will go out from Zion. His word will go out from Jerusalem. The, uh, the Lord's teaching will go out from Zion. Now, if you read Hebrews, I don't know if I have good enough, I don't have good enough saying, I'm going to look it up. I can't remember whether it's Hebrews 10 or Hebrews 12. But it says, now ye have come to Mount Zion, to the church of the firstborn. So you see, it is chapter 12. Do you know the verse? If, if you would pop it up in, in uh, the King James once we get it on the screen. Hebrews 12. Thanks, Pastor. Now, Hebrews 12, 22. Because people say, well, that was talking to the Israel. Well, here's the New Testament church. Now, you know, you have come to Mount Zion. Mount Zion, which is the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to countless thousands of angels in joyful gathering. You have come to the assembly of God's firstborn children. King James? Yeah, you had it, 23. To the general assembly and the church of the firstborn. Everybody say the church of the firstborn. Now, I, you know, I, I've been around people, ministers that are super sticklers. No, that's, that was to the old covenant. How, how can you not see the overarching theme that God multiplied Israel? He made them like the sands of the seashore. Then, then that led to the church, and the same God that was doing that is with us. So there's not a different God. I'm the Lord God, and I change not. The God that was multiplying Israel, feeding Israel, Healing Israel is the one who's the head of the church, and he's providing for us, healing us, and multiplying us. Can you say amen? In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house will be set highest on all hills, and nations will stream into it, saying, come teach us the way of Jacob's God. So what would happen now? Remember, the target you're shooting for matters. What would happen if you buy in, like a lot of conservatives do, where they actually believe, up until the rapture, that there's going to be a weakening of the church and a strengthening of demonic power? There is going to be a strengthening. Satan, Revelation 12, 12, knowing his time is short, is cast down to the earth and declares war on the sons of men. But what difference does that make for us? Because whether he's angry or happy, he's under our feet. Can you say amen? Well, the devil's really attacking. Do whatever you want. You're below, you're, you're below me. Me and you aren't on the same level. I was playing video games upstairs, which I do a lot when I'm home. And uh, an ant was crawling across the table where my TV was. It was distracting me. I was playing a baseball game, and you have to, like, really focus. But those nine-year-old kids beat you, and then in their high-pitched voice, they make fun of you, and they start throwing controllers and stuff. So that, when that ant got my way, I took a napkin. And I squashed it. Do you know I never thought one time, well, I'm gonna, I was going to squash this ant, but what if other ants find out about it and they come after me? No. Me and him aren't on the same level. He's an insect. I'm a human. And me and the devil aren't on the same level. The devil is defeated. I'm raised together with Christ and seated together with Christ in heavenly places far above. Everybody say far above. All principalities, all powers, all rulers, all authorities. We're not on the same level. Like that fellow tearing his little ant head off and putting on a toothpick as a sign to other ants that get the idea that you've trespassed into, and, into dangerous territory. But I thought that's a little bit psychopathic, and I just went to playing 
video games. Everybody say the church of the firstborn. Now, if you believe that it's God's agenda that the church is going to get weaker and be, the devil's going to just kind of usurp and take over, that's why it's very important to understand a pre-tribulation rapture because more than Bible prophecy, it deals with dominion. How would the Antichrist ever have authority over the church if we have authority over the devil? So it's going to goof up your theology because then you think, well, we're in the last days, so, you know, he's like getting stronger. That's how, why did I keep our ministry open during COVID? Because I understand end time Bible prophecy. We order your church to be shut down. Oh no, you don't have permission to shut down the church. It's not time for that yet. As the church is here, the church is in charge. In the last three years, 2020 through 2022, what you saw is that antichrist spirit trying to accomplish what it will be able to do in the tribulation ahead of time. But it can't do it now because the church is listed as the restrainer. The devil and the Antichrist don't have power over the church. The church has power over the Antichrist and all the power of the devil. If you're thankful for it, can you say amen? amen. Now, say, I'm going to have you say something Jesus said. Say, as your faith is, as faith is so, be it unto you. so be it unto you. Well, you know, it's the last days, and so it's difficult because people don't want to hear. the word. Now, if you accept that, you fast and pray all you want. You can read all the church growth books you want. You can employ all the strategies you want. If deep down you feel that a church can't grow, and then you hang around other losers in your denomination, oh, yeah, you know, our, our attendance is down. What about you? Yeah, it's down. How's your giving? Down. How's your, yeah, it's down too. Well, it's the last days, you know, people don't want to hear. And you get around that, then you're going to stay down. You have to settle your target out of the Bible. Well, I read you what God said. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house will be exalted highest above all hills. While everything else is failing in the world, the church will be a solution center for the nation. You know, that's where the church missed its opportunity during COVID. I grew up in Pentecostal church. They'd get excited all the time. One day the hospitals will be full uh, and there won't be any more treatment, but they'll have to come to the church and get healed. Yeah, you had your chance. And instead, you shut down and hid for a year and a half. But not anymore. God's going to have churches in America that when they don't know what to do with the drug problem, when new plagues come, there's a place to come. And they'll say, when you go to that place, the power of God is there, and it'll set you free. And the Bible says, a hunger will come to the heathen. They'll say, teach us the ways. I want to know the word. This public school stuff's not working. Media stuff's not working. What does the Bible say? In the last days, there won't just be a great falling away in the midst of the falling away in the midst of the attack i will pour out my spirit on all flesh and the sons and daughters will prophesy say it out loud church growth is god's prophetic agenda turn to jeremiah 30 Jeremiah 30. Verse 19. There will be joy and songs of thanksgiving. I will multiply my people and not diminish them. I will honor them and not despise them. Again, well, that's in, in the old covenant. First of all, if you can't take these scriptures and pull them into the church, then Peter should have got rebuked by Jesus when he finished his sermon on the day of Pentecost. Because that's all he did with all the scriptures. 
It's the God that multiplied Israel multiplies the church. I will multiply them and not diminish them. Well, how many know churches are... are no, that's not what the Bible says. They're, the Bible doesn't say they'll be crying in sorrow. It says there'll be joy and songs of thanksgiving. And I will multiply my people and not diminish them. I'll honor them and not despise them. He said, well, I, what about honor, you know? They arrested Pastor Rodney. And then, yeah, and then today the same city council called him in at 8.30 a.m. and presented him an award on behalf of the city for standing for the church. So that's people. People, people are nuts, by and large. And so, you, yeah, one day you're the villain, the other day you're the hero, like Batman. But you don't let it sway you. In the last days, God said, I'll multiply my people. So you have to shoot for the right target. I'm not trying to do something. Say this out loud. Multiplication, Multiplication. and growth. Is not my ambition, it's my birthright. Yeah, it's who I am by redemption. A, a tree, an almond tree, doesn't try to grow almonds, it grows almonds because it's an almond tree. A rooster doesn't try to crow, he crows because he's a rooster. I don't try to multiply or try to get more people, or for the evangelistic ministry, try to get more partners, try to, no. These things are inherent in me by the Holy Ghost because it's what God created me to do. God created you to multiply. The first command God gave man in Genesis chapter 1 was not stop cussing. It wasn't don't drink. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't it, it, don't commit adultery. Those are all commands. The first command God gave man was not a negative command. It was a positive command. Be fruitful and it's what separates us from animals. He blessed man and gave him dominion and commanded him, not suggested, commanded. Be fruitful and multiply. That's what animals can't do. You go down, you know, you, you go snorkeling or scuba diving. There's no, the dolphins are using the same technology that they used 2,000 years ago. They haven't even invented some type of dolphin pants just swimming around naked. Turtles, not doing anything new. Monkeys, uh, dogs. I've never come home one time and my dog said, hey, John, while you're gone, Jonathan, I just thought I'd tidy up a bit and I built, I built, built a little addition onto the house with some money I saved up. No, they just, they poo and pee and eat and sleep and uh, uh, look for other dogs to have sex with every once in a while. And you know, when you don't have God and you go away from the Holy Ghost, that's all you do. You live like an animal. But then the God part of you is he makes you Everybody say, fruitful and multiply. Yeah, we're out. my goal today is not to get food and find a place to lay down. My goal is to, is, I'm, I'm adding something to the table of life. Can you say amen? So everybody that's here, that fruitfulness and multiplication is in you. Don't ever confuse your desire to reach for more with carnality. You know, well, the Bible says be, being content with food and raiment. Yeah, I'm not doing what I'm doing today, trying to get more food and clothes. I have three more of these shirts that are exactly the same. So when you see them during the week, I'm not, I'm not stinky. I just, if I like something, I buy a lot of it, then Adonis doesn't have to do the laundry as quickly. Amen. I'm not trying to get a fourth blue shirt with Western pockets. I'm not trying to get, get, get a meal. Yeah, I'm content with my, my food and raiment. I'm not content with the state of the church in the United States. So I want to do something that builds that for my master. That one day when I stand before him as his servant, I won't go away ashamed. I'll hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter now into the joy of the Lord.
The desire to reach for more is the God part of you. It's the faith part of you. Faith reaches for more. It's the command to be fruitful and multiply. Think of it. Whatever your dream house is, if you were given it right now today, in less than a year, most of you would be making plans of something to do to beautify, better use, or expand the house. Because that's the God part. Your dog doesn't do that. Your dog doesn't come up with a plan to, to put a greenhouse next to his doghouse. I thought maybe we could, you know, the sunlight hits this side of the doghouse. I thought maybe we could grow some food and you won't have to buy so much dog food. No, they just exist. But the God part of you, created in his image, looks, how can I expand? How can I multiply? And whatever you have now, there's a desire to reach for more. That's not carnality. That's the God part of you. Can you say amen? I see you having the biggest year you ever had in Jesus' mighty name. If you believe it, can you shout a living amen? Number two, God didn't call you to get the worst out of you. He called you to get the best out of you. I mentioned this one of the other nights. We'd have youth camp speakers. I had a Division I scholarship to play football, but the Lord called me into ministry. Now I don't have any money. I don't have any friends. But I know one day I'm going to hear the Lord say, well done. No, he's probably going to just say, I don't, you know, you irritate me. You can come to heaven, but... Leave me alone. I don't like your attitude, to be honest with you. God didn't call me to step down. It's not like I had some great plan for my life, and then the Lord got involved and ruined my life. God doesn't call you to get less out of you. I'm sure it might seem that way at the beginning, when Peter has to leave a fishing business, and you're just following some guy that teaches the, 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 out of scrolls that the Pharisees teach out of, that ends up being banned from any, every synagogue. Might not seem like a great career move at the beginning, but how many fishermen from Jerusalem do we reference every Sunday besides Peter? None. You'll say, oh, we all know Gary, the famous fisherman from Jerusalem. No. They're all gone. No one cares. But Peter has relevance. He's got cities named after him all over the world. Jesus is a kind man. You know, one day the Bible says Peter was listing off all he had left behind to follow Jesus. If I was Jesus, I said, yeah, I, I saw you fish. How many did you catch again? <laughs> we fished all night and haven't caught anything. So Jesus, he was already kind of stunk at what he was doing. And then Jesus got involved and took him to the top. That's why you have to settle that to fully commit to your assignment because there's people, you know, pride can take a lot of forms. There's a, a younger pastor, he's a couple years younger than me. And he's, he has a church. And it's a little smaller than mine. Not much, and he's in a small town. He's done great. But he told a friend of mine, he said, sometimes I just wonder if God hadn't called me to this small town and I could be in a place like Pittsburgh, like Jonathan, how many thousands of people we'd have. I know. If God only was as smart as you <laughs> and knew how to get the best out of people. Think how much better shape the church would be and if God had your level of intelligence. I mean, the, 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 the pride and stupidity to talk like that. So then my cousin Teddy was telling me, he met up with a guy yesterday, which really narrows it down. So if the, it gets back to the person, there's no getting out of this one. <laughs> He's our age. And he said, I see you and Jonathan doing well and prospering. And he said, but I realize there's a limit on the amount God can do that for me because you're limited based on where you are. And he said, I, you know, we're out in the country and people don't have much money here. What scripture is that? That you're limited based on where you are. Where did God drop Abram? 
in the middle of Manhattan next to the stock exchange. In fact, while I'm on the subject, you can go to Wall Street and there'll be people sitting on the ground in their own filth asking for five bucks to get a sandwich in the center of the richest area. They just came out yesterday at New York City again, even after all this. It's still the richest city in the world above Tokyo and Singapore, everything else. So the guy's sitting there where all the money is and he's got no money. And then you got people like Bishop David Oyedepo that have a billion-dollar ministry in one of the, the, a place that's having an economic holocaust. It's not where you are that gives the blessing. It's who you are in Christ that gives you the blessing and the multiplication. You can drop, what do you think the Bible means when it says, I'll bless you in the city, I'll bless you in the field, I'll bless you when you come in and when you go out. Now, in the ministry, since we're, you know, I'm talking generally a lot, but then I want to focus this for pastors. And I'm doing this for the pastors who are present, for those that are watching online, because we are coming into a thing where America is going to have an explosive revival. And there's going to need to be ministers that have faith. What, what, like, I'll give you an example. I, I see the Lord in it now. 2016, I, uh, I heard Bishop David Oyedepo was coming to Washington, D.C. for a supernatural church growth conference. It was going to be in 10 days. So I called the guy where I was going to preach and said, if you would let me on short notice back this meeting up, because Bishop Oyedepo, I don't think he's been to America since, is coming to America, and I want to hear him live. I wasn't pastoring. I had no plans to pastor. But I, he could have spoke on anything. I, I, I wanted to hear the man that has the largest ministry on planet Earth because I'm in the ministry. I want to hear what he has to say. So even though it was called Supernatural Church Growth Conference, I was convinced I would never pastor. I figured, well, it won't hurt to hear it. I'm sure it'll be anointed. So I go there, and I was kind of irritated that I only found out about it 10 days ahead of time. I was thinking, why didn't somebody tell me three months ago? Well, there wasn't three months ago to find out. He scheduled it less than two weeks in advance. And when he took the mic the first night in that auditorium, he said, I came here on short notice because the Lord quickened me in prayer and said, Go to America and preach the things I showed you about church growth because soon a mighty revival will hit America and it will be full, not of mega churches, but super mega churches. And he said, right now, the pastors won't have faith to get on board and they'll miss it. Well, I know what he means because we have the Lord do that miracle, that building, $5.7 million, dollars 3,000, 22 and a half thousand square feet to start with. And we have 200 people in a 500 seater, 280. So great. You know, maybe over the course of the next five years, we'll be able to pack it out. And it packs out in three months. Well, now I need a new building. And the Lord provides a man. Now, if I didn't have the faith that I got imparted at that meeting, I'd say, now listen, let's slow it down. Maybe we can go to two services. We're moving a little fast. None of this is in the budget. Now think of this. That year, the year before, we had our record revenue as a ministry, $7.2 million, and we had $5 million in expenses. We budgeted $7 million in expenses for the next year. We put like an extra uh, two and a half in for the church. Do you know what the expenses ended up being? $14.8 million. Now on paper, if you look at it, you'd start having blood trickle out your one ear from high blood pressure. Because you can't, if your record year in 21 years was 7.2 million, if someone would have told me at the board meeting that year as we were starting the church, just so you know, Brother Jonathan, your expenses 
Congratulations on the best year you ever had, $7 million. Your expenses this year will be just under $15 million. I would have clutched my chest and gone to see Jesus. That's why the Lord doesn't show you everything at once. So, so how, how did those expenses come? When a church grows, there's expenses. So we, we pack out that building. And I told, I've told you before, a man that was in the front row came up to me and said, Reverend, I've been coming the last two weeks. You're out of space. And I was standing there thinking, I'm out of space. I said, yeah. He said, I don't mean to overstep my bounds, but I just built a 75,000 square foot facility and I'll let you use it for whatever you want to pay. I said, you have a deal. So then we, we, we started getting set up over there and moved there. We were there pretty quick, about this time last year. Well, you can't take the sound system that would have been similar to this that we were using here and fill a 75,000 square foot building with it. And anything that looks unexcellent repels people. You can't preach about how you serve the best God and you got Radio Shack crap. That's not a scripture, but it's true. You know, I'm starting to notice differences between Tennessee and Kentucky. Crap turns the crowd off in Kentucky. You people like rough language. So I see why Andrew Jackson got along with you people. So, so uh, anyway, now, now we start renting a sound system for 30000 a week. The sound system. And so it didn't start off, probably started off, what would it have been initially, Devin, before we kept adding on to it? 12,000 a week or something? 12, and then it worked up to 30,000 because we had 400. Then it you know, goes up to 700. So we have to keep adding pieces in. So then we find a sound system that's being sold out of Colorado for $270,000. So the, the media team comes to me and says, we found this. You know, we're paying 30,000 a week. This will pay for itself in 10 weeks. That's true. But at the same time, it's $270,000. <laughs> So yeah, that sounds good 10 weeks from after we've done it, but right now, that's another. I mean, just dropping quarter millions of dollars here and there, not in the budget, willy-nilly to facilitate growth. But I made up my mind. If I fail, it's not going to be because I was conservative. If I fail, it's going to be moving forward and, and getting on this train because who built the church? Who was the one that exploded it? I didn't do it. My plan was to be out in five years. Who made us out in three months? Jesus. Well, Jesus isn't stupid. If he's growing the thing, he knows it costs more. It's like he's up in heaven going, oh, shoot. All these people got saved. I wasn't even thinking about how much it was going to cost. Well, best of luck, buddy boy. No. God is an intelligent God. Jesus is an intelligent Savior. Every time they sent people to trap him with questions, his answer not only answered them, it shamed them. Hey, I'm the top lawyer in Jerusalem. I have a question for him. I'll trap him. When Jesus got that answer in, the guy left there. Nice job, Joe. <laughs> they left. They didn't even get a question. That's Jesus. So I thought, well, he, he built it. He overbuilt it. I'll get on the train with him. And what you find out, that's what Bishop Hoyadepa was preaching on. God just needs somebody to have faith to jump on the fast-moving train. That is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ in the last days. Because Jesus isn't coming back for a weak, defeated church. He's coming back for a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. He's not coming back for a sad, weak, you know, I just, I'm just very concerned about the state of the church in America. Well, your little concern and your little measly voice, whiny voice isn't going to fix it anyway. 
Who's the head of the church? Can you trust him as a coach or can you not trust him as a coach? Do we have this great team and a lousy coach? No. We have the best coach. He knows what he's doing. You don't have to worry about the state of the church. You know, all the people back 15 years ago, the people were like, this minister that has a big platform, they live like this, this, and this. It's a known fact. I I'm concerned about that. You don't have to say, Jesus gives people time. Then if they won't listen, he pulls the plug. All those people are gone now. They're not even in, in the ministry now. You don't have to worry about the state of the church. It's been going strong for 2,000 years before any of us ever got here. Jesus is the captain of the ship. And all you have to do is get your orders from him and get on that fast-moving ship, and it'll explode. Just trust and obey. And don't pull back. We're not those of unbelief who pull back. We're not making plans to go back to Egypt because it seems too big to go into Canaan. No, if the Lord is with us, though there's giants in the land, we will take the land just as he said. I see you possessing your promised land this year in Jesus' mighty name. Well, 14.8 million expenses, 15.2 came in. So we had cleared like, we had like two something in the bank going into that year, cleared another 400,000. And you know, that's just cash. That's not counting. We do have a $5.7 million building asset. And now the land, but I'm just talking cash. So it worked. How do you go from, took me 21 years to have 7 million come in, then you have 15 the next year. And it's looking like 25 this year on a minimum without any miracles or anything. And there's always miracles. So you get on, you do what God said. Who is a willing, faithful servant that I can entrust the keys to the kingdom? If you'll get to work harvesting souls, and I want to tell all the, there's evangelists here, there's pastors here, there's evangelists and pastors watching online. Ministry is harvesting. It's not getting dressed up in nice clothes and speaking. That's part of it. It's harvesting. You don't get paid like if you do farm work they, and they're paying you by the bushel. No one pays you because you walked around in a cornfield for 14 hours and they say, well, you didn't bring in any corn. I know, but I wore overalls all day. I don't care. We did not have you come into this field to get dressed up and look like a farmer. We had you to come harvest crops. And the Bible says the husbandman hath long patience for the fruit of the earth. I showed you that video last night of those 300 and some people getting saved at that one outreach. Can you, can you pull up, uh, Chloe, the St Pittsburgh Steel City Fest? This is from last summer in August. So I'll show you this too. You know, to do that... <laughs> If you just bought a quarter million dollar sound system, 270, and then now, oh, I know what we'll do. Let's spend another 300,000 to reach the poorest people in Pittsburgh. That's how we'll recoup our money. We can get them to start tithing their EBT cards. <laughs> then we'll stand in the parking lot and trade it to, with drug addicts for cash. And that way we can recoup all our money. No, all of it in the natural is the stupidest plan you could come up with. But there's a supernatural plan. Jesus didn't say go to people that think they have it all together. Go and find the blind, the halt, the crippled, the maimed, the lepers, people no one wants. If you help those who you know can pay you back, we're calling a business summit. We want all the top people from Jackson to come here. We're going to teach them principles of finance. That's fine. We have a thing called Revival Today Executives. People should hear from a godly voice how to grow their business. But if, if your motive... I'm going to try to get to big churches and reach rich people. You hear, I've heard it. You know, I've been in the ministry 21 years. 
we could just get a banker to start coming to our church or a lawyer, all our trouble would be over. No, that lawyer is going to put 50 bucks a week in the offering because they made their money without you. They don't care about you. They think they're doing you a favor showing up. They'll come one time a week or one, one time a month. and I had business the other three weeks, couldn't get back. You know, all over the place. That's why there's so many warnings to the rich. And I am rich. So there's also, it's not wrong to be rich. If it's wrong to be rich, Abraham's in hell, Isaac's in hell, Jacob's in hell, David's in hell, on down the line. But, but if you have people come to your church that made their money outside of God, they're going to tip God and pay the world. They're going to have a $58,000 wine and cigar party at the Kentucky Derby, and they're going to put a $20 bill in, in the church offering and think they're doing God a favor. But I preach for a guy. He's a great pastor in Texas, and he said something when I was there one time. He was taking the offering. He said, how many of you were millionaires when you started coming to this church? No one raised their hand. He said, how many of you have become millionaires since you started coming to this church? Stand up. And a bunch of people stood up, including a man that got released from prison about eight years before, started coming to the church, hearing about seed time and harvest. You know, I told you that story about Missy and Kevin that started with $20 a month partnership that are now at $250 a month partnership. They've never missed a month. You know why? They were broke when they came in contact. They got saved. They got married. They started giving, and God increased them. You couldn't get them to stop giving because they know everything they have, God gave it to them. Can you say amen? If you, get them, so if you start reaching people that can't pay you back, your heavenly Father will reward you. So this is something we did in the summer because I always, and th this will touch pastors and evangelists. When I would do those crusades back when I was only an evangelist, most pastors, not all, they'd say, we didn't have many people come to the church from that. Well, yeah, because you waited to see if they'd show up. You refused to invest. And I'd pay for the whole evangelistic crusade. You won't pay for a bus to go pick people up in the inner city. You actually don't even want them coming to your church. To be That's why you don't do it. I guarantee you if it was a, a, a 300 surgeons that got saved, making 200000 a year, you'd send an Uber for every last one of them. But you don't want poor people. You don't want white trash. Jesus loves white trash. He'll turn them into white gold. Can you say amen? Yeah, go and find people no one wants. God will start sending you. Now, going after people nobody wants, we've had three or four billionaires attend our church and are still connected to our church in, in 17 months. People, and they don't dress like, you, you don't find out till later. They were like t-shirts and shorts. Rich people are experts at looking like they're not rich people so that people leave them alone. Can you say amen? amen. Go after who nobody wants and God will send you the people everybody wants. Jesus out healing lepers and then the top leaders are coming to him by night. It's a principle. Go after the people no one wants and then God will send you the people everybody wants. So this is, uh, here's another, what, 300 grand, 150 grand. And I proved my theory. I thought, no, don't tell me that this evangelistic crusade stuff doesn't work. They don't really come. We don't really see much growth from it. Yeah, because you're a bum. Don't just get them saved. Go get them. Bring, have them established in church. What sense does that make to spend $300,000 to reach poor, unsaved people and then spend an extra $58,000 the next Sunday so they have busing to make it to church? You talk about a recipe for bankruptcy. After buying that sound system, just spend. But I'm spending to save souls. And it's not my money. It's my master's money. And he told me what the money's for. To reach the lost. The husbandman hath long patience for the precious fruit of the earth. 
Now watch it. Now, this is, remember when you watch this, this is a church that's seven months old that does this. And we don't have volunteers. Volunteers are attracted to a mission. They're not attracted to be a part where you're just kind of like a keeping the door. If you get people on a mission, you ever see that study of the largest responded to New York Times article of all time when they would do classified ads? I'm going to butcher the, the, the words. But it was to the effect of a man had a ship and he needed people to jump on the ship with him to go do a voyage. Pay will be small. Loss of life likely. Went down to this lake. It was like the biggest ad to repel people. But that they're going to go on this adventure and explore wherever they're going to explore. You'll probably die. You, you might not get paid much. But I need men, strong men, that will go on this mission with me. And it broke the record at the New York Times for response. Because it's you've seen it in the church. What do they do? They try to make it as easy. Now, you don't have to come every Sunday. I'm not saying you have to tie it. Right? And people, why are jihadist groups growing? God wired men to have a mission. God wired women to have a mission. Give people a mission and you'll have no shortage of help. We don't have people watch kids at our church. We have people teach kids. We don't frame it, you know, we just need some people to help watch the kids. No. We say they're trying to turn people demonized at four years old. If, you, if that bothers you and you'd like to do something about it, help teach the next generation of leaders. We have a children's ministry. You know, we have so many people volunteering. We have a rotation. Who will help them once again? Just think, can we get two volunteers? No. What's the purpose? Youth ministries, not so we can babysit people's teenagers. We're raising up leaders. Youth and young adult getting college students delivered off of their problems. Revival Today Fitness, reaching into the gym world. Revival Today Executives. How many of you are business people? And you know people, they want instruction. They shouldn't have to listen to a Buddhist tell them spiritual principles when they can hear from the richest man who ever lived, Solomon, in the book of Proverbs. Give people a task that builds the kingdom. Christians aren't to be babysat. They're to have a fire lit under their rear end and go out into the world and make the devil sorry that he lost them in the first place. I see you doing that this year in Jesus' mighty name. Go ahead and roll it. Steel City Fest was one for the books. For the first time in Revival Today history, we did a stadium crusade in our hometown of Pittsburgh. With minor opposition online causing our social media ads to get rejected, the people of Pittsburgh knew there was something different about this event. The shares began to grow and the word began to spread about Steel City Fest. On the first night, hours before the event, lines began to form around the stadium as over 3,000 people gathered in anticipation. Whoever decides to believe in him, they shall not 
that you know what I'm a let go. Um, I'm coming from addiction, and uh, and God has truly delivered me. He has truly delivered me, brought me on my way. When they say that, um, when He says, "What's the song? The Amazing Grace." Like a wretch like me, God has saved me, and I'm just so. came hungry for the word to be preached. We were in revival. I see the windows of heaven coming open over you tonight. I see God washing away every foul thing the devil's trying to do for your family. Generation after generation of struggle and hurt. I see Jesus standing on this field, knocking the devil clean out of your life and bringing you into heaven's destiny. you signed up for a political group. I'm trying to get you to put your hand in the nail-scarred hand of Jesus and find out there's no problem that he can't eradicate if you call on his name. I have a choke or cough or gag, and really I can't breathe when I first pick up. She's like my age. She's like two years older than me. Smoking cigarettes, taking some oxygen. Freaking devil. Chilled up, urge to use, so I didn't. I was like, I'm, I don't need it. I came for the fun. And after that message, I was like, I feel like I need to bring my family back. So I came back, and he won. We won a bike also, and I still don't have the urge. The final night of Steel City Fest was a night of breakthroughs and turnarounds. I don't endorse her ministry. And you wake up the next morning carrying all their gold and silver, headed to your own home in Canaan. That's called supernatural breakthrough and turnaround. Men can't do that. Politicians don't have the power to do that. I don't care what election year they come through and make it what the promises. They can't do it. Man does not have the capacity to lift mankind out of trouble. But Jesus, the Son of God, made flesh. He came to destroy the power of the devil tonight. Your children aren't meant for destruction. Your children aren't meant to have to go and try to sell drugs to get food. No, this is your hour to come out of Egypt and go into Canaan's fair land. We saw 6,010 people in attendance and 1,922 salvations for Jesus Christ. The people of Pittsburgh will never be the same. Can you say amen? Number three, and I'll close with that for today. You can write it down. Stop talking limitation. Nine out of ten ministers that I'm with. I don't have uh, as many partners as you. Yeah, I also didn't have as many partners as me. I heard this young guy was talking to Pastor Rodney Howard Brown, and he was criticizing Benny Hinn. Pastor Rodney told him basically to shut up. And the guy said, well, I, I, I could do what he's doing if I get a jet too. He didn't have a jet when he started off. He was working part-time in a mall in Toronto. He felt to start praying for the sick, and it went from there. Stop talking what you don't have. God doesn't like that. Number one, you have God. If you have God, you have everything. God will send you. I don't have any help. You don't have any angels? You don't have angels sent to strengthen you wherever you go and protect you? 
I have supernatural help before I even have physical help. I have God. You actually could take all my partners and leave me with God. He's the one that got me all the partners. Say, I have God. Let me say this for the business people that are here too. The more your business grows, the more your church grows. I had 14 employees uh, when I had just an evangelistic ministry. They all went to my home church. And I had them tithed to that church, not our ministry. So when I came and then our wives were there, so I, and then my wife and her family, she's got like a thousand first cousins. <laughs> when Adonis' family moved down and was working with us, just them, I think added 12 people to the church, then 14 employees, then their wives and kids. Revival today, the home church we went to before we started our church, we probably were 30 strong on a Sunday morning just from us, and they all tithed, and they made money from the ministry. I pay our, our people well, and they all tithe. So the more you grow, you build the church that way because a godly boss is different than a secular boss. People want to, they'll see you with your marriage together. They want to role model after you. They want to go to church with you. I'll ask, where do you go to church? You'll be surprised. My barber went to church with me. My new barber goes to church with me. They go. My new barber has a TV up in his barber shop with me preaching on a loop. Makes everybody hear me. So I've been saved three months or so. Yeah, now he's bringing people. He actually asked me if I could get him a van. He said, I have a CDL license. We have, I have a bunch of people coming that I invited from the shop. He said, we have seven for this week, but, and that'll fill my expedition, and I'm going to start having more than that come. Is there any way I can get a van? Just for the people he's bringing. That's why you have to get people saved at your church, because people that have been saved 20 years that don't win souls, you can preach to them all you want. They're just, they've obviously made a choice. They're not going to win souls. They don't witness something about them. They've chosen a path of no soul winning. When you get a new person saved, they won't shut up about Jesus. They'll start bringing people, lots of people. The people that we followed up on from that crusade had people sitting with them that weren't at the crusade that they brought because they didn't want to come alone and they wanted people to hear, hey, you know how we do some boxing together and we want to stop? I'm done. This guy prayed for me and I'm done. Come with me. And they'll start telling people. That's why the last thing you want to do. Now it'll happen. When you start a church, you will pick up Christians from other churches. That, that's unavoidable. And if you're a pastor that's watching, you should chill about that. He took my people. Well, how much are your people? I don't have to worry about somebody taking a dollar. She's my people. She's mine. We're together. So how much were they with you anyway? Secondly, well, you know, it's like, like somebody like Pastor Ray starts a church here. I'm sure pastors, not all of them, but some in the area. Yeah. He has people going to my, his church that left my church and they didn't leave on good terms. What do you want him to do? Have somebody posted in the lot. You want him to have the usher back there, have his gun drawn and make you show a letter of acceptance from your previous church before he lets you in the building? What do you want a pastor to do? People are free to go where they want to go. I can't stop people from leaving revival today. I don't try. People will go where they go. They're sheep. They're going to wander around. Can you say amen? amen? But you don't want to just try to get other people's Christians. Because they're, they're, by and large, if they've been saved a while, they're not soul winners. They let the fire go out. They don't witness. They don't, they don't tell people about Jesus. But if you get fresh people saved, they're lunatics. They'll start carrying oil around with them for the grocery store. Would you mind if I pray for you? Can you say Amen. So you go after these fresh people, like my mom. My mom lived in a trailer when she got saved. Who would want her? 
Dad just died of cancer, no money, except from the mesothelioma settlement they got to buy a trailer with. And she gets saved, but she's on fire for God, bringing other teenagers, going to the mall, telling people about Jesus. You get one radical in your church, they'll grow your church. Stop thinking about what you don't have and start thanking God for what you do have. I have you. I have angels. I have the Holy Ghost. Man, you look at that group of 120 in the upper room. You, before the fire fell, you say they have nothing, just a small group. Their Savior's gone. They're not going to mount to anything. Peter couldn't even tell the girls at a campfire that he's a Christian. But then the Holy Ghost came, and it turned 120 losers into 120 world-changing champions. I see that fire coming on you today in Jackson, Tennessee. If you believe it, take 30 good seconds. Clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God. Everybody say multiply. So now you know the direction. You know, it's like, it's like debt-free living. And being the head, not the tail, and, and the lender, not the borrower. When I came upon that revelation, there was no way for me to do anything I was doing. But you'll find out if you'll find what God wants and just get your brain pointed in that direction and your heart pointed in that direction, then God, he's, that's the flow he's interested in. What did I say on the first spite-a-thon? We're going to give God a chance to move to build this church. And a million comes in. God, because I'm... I'm Yes, God, though I have no capacity to do what you're asking me to do, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find where that target is and put my arrow towards it. And then God goes, oh, finally, because he can't bless your own stream. Like if God's stream's flowing in this direction, if you jump in it, then it'll carry you. But if you head this way, then you're going to spend a lot of time, Lord, redirect your stream. But no, I, I can't get with that. I'm not interested in giving First Tennessee Bank Double what this church is worth because you won't do things my way. So I'm not interested. So you're going to have to have your own pancake breakfast and stuff. And fish fry dinners and spaghetti dinners for $4 a plate. Which, man, you're going to build a $20 million building. That's a lot of freaking spaghetti. I don't think they have enough in Italy. Everybody say, lift up your eyes. Set your sights higher. You serve a big God. Yeah, if the LGBT community can rent out a stadium in the month of June to do whatever the heck they're doing, don't tell me I can't do it. Just start changing the words around. We're a young church. We're a strong church. We're a small church. We're, a, we're an on-fire church. Can you say amen? We don't have any helpers. Father, thank you for plenty of helpers. Thank you, number one, that you're my help. Number two, thank you that you mobilize help. You'll see him. Brother Abraham, stand up so people can see you. He, he, he drove over to Pittsburgh and was sitting in the service. And I told him, I'm gonna, I want to hire. Did I do it on a Sunday or not? What did I do? I hired him during my sermon. I don't even know if that's legal to make someone work for you. He never asked to work. Do you work for me yet? No. You're hired. I don't want to be with you. 
Everybody say, by the Holy Ghost. I knew it when I walked by. That's what, that guy that asked the question yesterday was a good question. You know, when do you take time to commune with God? I'm doing it right now. I walked by him and God said, hey, you know how you need more people to help you? I just sent you one from Oklahoma. Then you find out, I didn't even know, he had just graduated Rama all four years. Bible college educated. Amen. Augustine, if you watch him, Pastor Augustine leads prayer. He was sitting in the front row. I said, I'm hiring you today. You know, <laughs> and Jesus can't correct me because that's what he did. He didn't have anybody fill out any applications. Hey, fishermen, drop the nets. Let's go. Can you say amen? amen? Come follow me. We're on a mission. Get with me. And if you call someone and they balked, you're free to go your own way. I'm going to find more people. Look at that parable. A man had a, had a field, and there were men standing around. He said, how come you're not working? No one hired us. Well, you're hired. Get in there. So there's people standing around. If you're watching online right now, that's what our Bible college is. What are you going to waste ages 17 to 25? Well, I've got to pray about it. Do you pray about working at CVS? People make the right thing so complicated and the wrong thing so easy. I'm going to pray and find out. Yeah, whatever. If you feel the fire on you to do something for God, get moving. Get moving. Start where you're at. Well, if I had, I had a guy say this. If I had a jet like Jonathan had, I could, I could do it. I didn't have one. You think I came out of my mom's womb, then directly after me a jet came out of her womb? It's gross and impossible. I came out naked like everybody else. Start where you're at and let the Lord multiply you. And the more you align yourself with his vision, which is big, God's plan is for there to be a colossal church in Jackson, Tennessee where the vape shops are empty on Sunday, where stores start closing down on Sunday again, not because of law, but because it's pointless to be open before 1 p.m. Because there's nobody on the street. Because everybody's in church worshiping Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Can I tell you something? God's going to use you to make that a reality in Tennessee. Whatever state. Anybody come from uh, some Kentucky? Anybody from any other states? Florida. What part? Oh, yeah, I know there. Praise God. God's going to use you. Say this out loud. My best days are ahead of me. And I'm preaching expansion. If you think I'm picking on anybody, I'm treating 762 we had this week. I'm telling you, if we go back, if we're at 680 this Sunday, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be not happy. I was going to say another word, but we're in church, and I've already said freaking and uh, crap, I think. So I'm trying to keep a PG-13 rating. Because growth, when I get to 2,000, praise God, we have the biggest church in Pittsburgh. Who cares? Comparing yourselves among yourselves, you're unwise. Grow. Keep growing. Bishop Oyedepo, that's why I like, I like following guys that grow. Bishop Oyedepo goes to an 8,000-seater. They not only pack it out, they start having, only in Africa, 8,000 in the church, then 30,000 people outside the church sitting on the hoods of their cars. Chaos. That's what revival is. It's like a, it's a chaos. It's a fire. Fires are chaos. That's why revivals get jacked up, because people want to, like, you can't. 
of fire. Well, I've seen so many things happen in a revival that, yeah, you should be more afraid of icebergs than the fire. The fire doesn't kill churches. Cold and dead religion does. And you can bring correction. It, bring, it brings weird people in. People do weird things. You can correct what happened, explain what happened, or throw the person out of the service. But you don't be afraid of the Holy Ghost. Can you say amen? That's what God's going to do through you. If you're a business person, you're going to have the best year in business you've ever had. Even if you don't want to, you sat here too long. If you're in the ministry, if you're in evangelism, Miss Stacy, you're going to have the best crusades you've ever had. You've broken 1,000 already? You'll break 3,000, just like I did. You're, you're a couple years behind me for now. I'm sure you'll surpass me. But it'll go, just like I'm, I was telling Pastor Rodney the other day, I'm about three years behind you. You'll surpass me. I said, no, nah, I don't think so. Because you'll keep increasing. Are you going to level off? How are you going to catch a guy that doesn't sleep? I never had somebody call me at 3.15 in the morning before. I thought, oh man, he might, does he need prayer? Hello? Hey, how's it going? Good? <laughs> you have to be demon-possessed to have bad things happening at 3.15 in the morning. Just go to sleep. But say, I'm blessed. So it's not the pastor who's to grow the church. He's to facilitate the growth. Cattle ranchers don't birth cows. Cattle do. So you as the pastor just provide the framework for multiplication and then put the fire in the people and they'll begin to multiply on their own. Attendance was around 30 last Sunday. What was it exactly? It was 30-something. All right, let's, let's believe. Let's set our sights and faith together. Even if you don't go to this church, I don't go to this church. I want to see churches grow. Let, let's see, let's put our faith down for 60 people this Sunday. And we've already, you know, obviously we've had 124 during the week, but people drive in, and that's why I haven't moved it out. Friday, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move it to an auditorium. I'll give you the details because I think there's going to be too many people even with overflow, but until then, we're keeping it all here. And uh, I'm doing that because I want, if I wanted to go have a neutral auditorium meeting, I'd go have a neutral auditorium meeting. I, I came here because I love Pastor Ray and I love Pastor Kim and I respect, you know, for somebody to be, it's not like he's some failure that just said, well, I failed in business. We'll see if I can, how I do in the ministry. No, he's a top business and sold and left everything to sow the word into people. I respect that more than you'll ever know. And I want to give all I can this week to see, to just, whatever God's put in me, to lose, to watch two or three years of growth take place in one week. Amen? You hit 60, that's nothing to sneeze at. Average Episcopal church is at 22 people. Average Assemblies of God church is at 54 people right now. Average attendance on Sunday morning. And again, comparing yourselves among yourselves, you're unwise, but you're, you're, you're on the way up. And it's only two years old, building owned, free and clear, property owned, free and clear. And it's a beautiful wedding chapel building. Can you say amen? amen? Not some charismatic storefront church with ceiling, missing ceiling tiles and water damage on the boards. Have oh, you been in the same church as me? That was a very specific reference that got a lot of laughter. Say it out loud. The best days, the best days of, the of the church are right now. Are 
America's so wicked. Is it? Then how come 17 states have overturned uh, or outlawed pharmaceutical or surgical gender reassignment surgery for children? There's only 50 states, 17. I mean, is it in one year? Well, the year's not even over. America's just so wicked. I don't find your governor wicked. He seems like a God-fearing man. Either that or he's trying to fool everybody for like 20 years. But I don't, I don't, he doesn't seem like a phony to me. He's for freedom. Don't bash America to me because you guys are from America. I like you. Some people say the Americans are wicked. No, I was actually just at a 10 o'clock service on a Wednesday. They were, no one was, no one was going amen and then pulling out a Jack Daniels and taking a swig. <laughs> and I'll tell you one more thing. When people talk about America, if you've ever seen that movie Tombstone, all those characters in that movie are real. That guy, Curly Bill Brocious, that's the villain in the movie, he went into the church in Tombstone on a Sunday morning in the back doors while the preacher was preaching and shot at his feet for 40 seconds. Made the preacher dance. We need to get back to the old days when people had respect for the house of God. Uh, I've never had anybody shoot at me while I was preaching. <laughs> for five seconds, let alone 40 seconds. That means he reloaded. <laughs> Great job by the ushers at the Tombstone Church. <laughs> the first preachers that came to Kentucky, people took their pots that they peed in and threw them at them. People, the murder rates in the Old West were 100 times higher than Chicago. So we need to get back. Mm. I don't know. I'll take now. I'm glad I'm not peeing in a pot, to be honest with you. You know... Think of this. There would have been a time a hundred years ago where if I was preaching on the Holy Ghost like I am now, people would get mad and try to tar and feather me in Tennessee. If you brought the Holy Ghost in, into a state and started telling about the baptism of the Holy Ghost, people beat you up. Read church history. They tarred and feathered F.F. F. Bosworth in America for preaching on the baptism of the Holy Ghost and that healings for today. They ran A.B. Simpson, Christian Missionary Alliance. That's why all these guys had to start their own denominations. They kicked him out of every church. Don't preach healing. You, America's so bad now. I don't know, man. If you're on Facebook or, or Twitter, they'd make you think you're in year four of the tribulation. Then you go out to a baseball game or to a restaurant. People are praying before they eat. People are hugging each other. Yes. Amen? Amen? I haven't seen one black person punch one white person the whole time I've been here. I haven't seen one white person punch a black. America's in racial. No, take it easy. Get off social media for 10 minutes. There's 350 million people in, in the country. Anybody can find a video once a week of somebody knocking someone out at a Taco Bell at 2 in the morning. <laughs> but that's not America. Remember when, remember when Houston, Texas flooded during that hurricane? Then you had big black firefighters carrying white women and children across the river. You didn't see white people, Hispanic, carrying different race families. You never saw one time, I'm not carrying you across. No, they want to stoke that on TV. But that's not America. America is not going to go down the toilet. America is going to be shaken by the power of God one more time before Jesus comes back. The devil's not going to write the last chapter of this country. The church is going to write. Lift your hands all over this place. Be blessed in Jesus' name. Be blessed in Jesus' name. 
Let a wind from heaven come behind your business. Let a wind from heaven come behind your church. Let a wind from heaven come behind your evangelistic ministry. I pray you, everybody in this room would be pleasantly surprised before the end of this year at the amazing things the Lord's done for your business, ministry, family. This is your hour. This is your time to run, to run in Jesus' mighty name. Amen? Give the Lord a great big hand clap. You can be seated. How many of you were blessed today? Can I take one question? Well, it's not noon yet. Let me take one question, two questions. Sister Stacy, any questions? Okay, good. Anybody question? I know you got to go, so you can go. I won't, I won't be upset. I'm not going to be upset anyway, but I'm very happy. It's hard to eat the pulled pork here and be upset. I'm not even going to pray for people that battle depression anymore. I'm just going to bring them some pulled pork from central Tennessee. I battle depression. Here, eat this. I feel it going away. Amen. <laughs> yeah, go for it. church you know I people you guys have, have heard evangelists but I, I am a local church person and I'm 100% committed to my local church and I have a very unique situation because my pastor actually endorses evangelists and um, he actually pays me on staff as the evangelist you don't find that very much so I'm I want to be a testimony to what impartation and what this meeting will do for you and what you can look forward to, because two years ago, we did the same thing. We sat, we, we heard, we connected. I personally connected. And um, in two years, I'm telling you, the growth, we've almost tripled. We've paid cash, $1.7 for a grocery store. We are a small town. We have 22,000 people in our town. We don't have millionaires in our church. But when the hand of God and the fire of God comes what about upon you? you for, what about me? These are no millionaires in your church. Um, current. We didn't have current millionaires in the church. Praise God. Um, and, but, I, but I'm saying that because, you know, you hear it and you think, yeah, yeah. But when you connect with the fire of God to go reach souls, and that's exactly what happened. When my pastor recognized the gift in me, he launched me, and I had to figure out what's, what does soul winning look like? What does workshops look like? What is commissioning people? And I just kept pressing in and pressing in. I'd mirror things that they would do. I'd ask questions. And we have exploded in evangelism, and, and, and we've raised up four evangelists just in our house in two years. And all they do is go, and it's not about a title. It's not a, they don't care about that stuff. They just want to win people to Christ. And I'm telling you, we went from 180 people. We are at 450. We're wow. busting out of our seams. We're, we're praying to get in this building by July, but we're, we've got a few more things we got to accomplish. And so I'm telling you, it, it works. Lock into what's going on. Figure out what evangelism looks like every day, not just you know, launching a once a month. I'm talking about commission your people to go win souls. And I'm telling you, it works. It works. It works. I'm a living testimony. And it works in this region. Yes, it does. Give Evangelist Stacy a big hand clap as she exits the building. Keep a hand clap going for her so it doesn't get awkward. That's the nicest I've ever thrown anyone out of a service before. 
Hallelujah. I'm going to start doing that at home when guests stay too long. Give them a hand clap as they head to the door, folks. <laughs> Give them some parting gifts on the way out. <laughs> How many have been blessed today? Amen. Amen. One more question. Oh, what she brought up, I wanted to comment on because um, that guy that had the burgundy sport coat on last night that testified about the money, he told me at the partner bank, it was the first I ever met him. He went, um, I heard you say, <laughs> I'm quoting him. I'm not, not going to quote him. I'm going to spell it. But he went, I heard you say that if you do what God tells you to do, whatever your income is, your income this, this month will one day be your tithe this month. And he said, when I heard you, I thought you were full of S-H-I-T. And he, he said it to me. I'm, just, I'm telling you, you know, never heard that at a partner banquet before. <laughs> and he, he said it like strong. And, I, and, I, and she brought it up. You know, when, you, when, you, when things have been hard and somebody comes in their grandma's house shoes and starts telling you how things can be different. There is a party of things. This guy's full of crap. Like, you don't know what I'm dealing with and what I have. But if you'll believe the word. It sounds kind of crazy when you've been blind your whole life and a guy says, you want to see? <laughs> but rather than saying, I think this guy's full of blank, it's good to say, yes, sir, I would. So all you have to do is respond positively to the word of God. And when you believe it, you become it. God's word just doesn't tell you what God wants. It carries in it the power to make it happen. Amen. 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 I've enjoyed having you in the meetings. You've got great faith. You live around here? Yes, sir. Good. Good place to live. I don't blame anybody for not leaving here. I heard they're having that Ford plant come in here. <laughs> thinking about grabbing some commercial real estate on my way out just to flip it after the plant opens up. <laughs> Praise God. Any, any other question or comment real quick before I call to afternoon? Go ahead, my friend. I'm going to bring you a microphone so the people online can hear you. This is for you. Okay. And this is for the preacher. Okay. Uh, we were here Monday night, and you prayed with the gentleman about his ears. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then you prayed for his wife for um, letting her take care of all the people that she has to take care of. Real quick, before you finish, if, if this story leads to something bad, I have no memory of it. If it's something okay. good, praise the Lord. Go ahead. So, I understand, but it was you, okay? okay. <laughs> but, <laughs> so when I get through, you'll like this. Okay, okay. good. Okay. Uh, last night, I have. she was my best friend. I have a lot of best friends, okay? <laughs> but if, um, and so they call me, he called me at 8 o'clock. His name was Bobby, Bobby Davis. And he says, I'm on the way to Nashville for a kidney transplant. I found a match. Now, he's had open-heart surgery. He's at Dallas's. They had to cut him off. They put him back on the list. And at 6.30 this morning, he had the operation. And by 10.30, he was supposed to be out of there. And so we're praying that his, his body will accept what the Lord had given him. Amen. Because I know that. And so if... if uh, and this is for you, and you did that. Yeah, and he just came out of Dallas is when he came to church Monday night. I see. So that was a big deal for him to come. Yes. So um, I'm telling you, the prayers work. God is still in the business of healing people, and he's still on the planet with us. Amen. And we can ask him anything we want to and talk to him anytime. And I have this little thing. If I could tell, show y'all, I like rainbows. 
end of my rainbows are God's hands. If I could show y'all an exercise to do. Standing on your head, laying down, sitting down or whatever. You take your hands and you put them around your arms and you squeeze real tight. Those are not your hands anymore. They go with God's hand and you can do it any time of day. Amen. You seem like a very nice lady. I can see why you have so many best friends. Thanks for the good report. I believe the Lord provided that kidney too. Because it was legal. You didn't have to meet like a guy from Beijing at the shipping docks at two in the morning with an igloo cooler. So it sounds good to me. Praise the Lord. How many of you have been blessed today? Well, I'm going to give you an opportunity to sow seed, particularly if you're online. Uh, we're believing you heard of Dallas on Sunday. The guy's going to speak to 10,000 people to sow $1,000 either at once or $84 a month as a partner. And uh, to stand with us as we build that church in Pittsburgh. So if you'd like re to respond to that today, it took us forever to get to 1,000 partners. Then it took us another two years to get to 2,000. And then in the last three years, it went from 2,000 to 14,000 partners. So if you'd like to join the ever-growing army of people from all over the world that give every month and believe in what's going on here and do it in faith that God's going to if you partner with God's business, God partner, partners with your business. You build God a house, God will build your house. When you get in God, involved in God's thing, God gets involved in your thing. So if you need an envelope, you can hold up your hand. They're gonna, information's on the screen. You can give online, revivaltoday.com. You could give now. Nice to see you. our guest from Pensacola. Thanks for coming. That's nowhere near Tennessee, so nice to have you. Give our friends a hand clap from there. Hasn't this been great? I mean, you think it sounds so big, two services a day for a week. We're already in the home stretch, you know. Got two more morning services left, and that's it. And then and, uh, back to Pittsburgh. If you're right now to check, making out the revival today, you can mail it, P.O. Box 7, Prosperity, Pennsylvania, 15329. We have uh, federal approval. There's a legal word. I'm not saying it right because it's not approval. You're supposed to say like tentative approval or something like that. But we got approved by the government for, to have, it's the first federal, faith-based federal credit union that's been approved since 2017. They've rejected everyone that's applied except ours. So either I'm walking into a giant ambush or praise the Lord. Amen. <laughs> and then uh, we have to do the chartering, which takes about a year. But you'll have a bank as a Christian, you can put it in where it's not being used for nefarious things, and that we're not skirting the laws of what you're allowed to do, where your money's not actually there, and you know, it's not gonna be run by greed. The bank actually, though it'll make money, everything we do makes money. If we have a youth car wash, it makes money. The bank will make money, but I'm not starting it for an income stream. I'm starting it so that God's people have an option to not have their, their wealth controlled by, you know, PayPal and Venmo. They, they said under their new terms of service that if you point any, if you post on your social media anything they deem is misinformation, they fine you $2,500 per time you do it in your account. Now you have to pay, they just take it out of your account. That's called stealing. Yeah, it doesn't become legal to steal because you don't like what someone said. So I'm done with that. And, and obviously, it took us about a year and a half to even get that first part done, so I didn't start doing it in reaction. I knew when they froze Trump's bank account at Chase Manhattan in New York and sent it back and they started freezing trucker bank accounts in Canada. You could see where the thing's going. 
It's control. And so the church needs not to be cultish, but the church needs to control its own things. Even um, I want to have my, my own power grid to an extent at the church because I have a feeling because they don't know how to run the power grid. You're already having problems with it. You know, you've said all the power you're against. You're against oil, coal, uh, natural gas, nuclear. What are you for? There needs to be a source of power. Did you ever see that video where they were, this city was proudly announcing that they've gone to all electric cars for government employees and that, you know, now we don't have to use fossil fuels. And so they have the little green plug-in thing. And a reporter says, where do, the, where do they get the power for the cars from? She went, oh, from these charging ports. Only here with the cigarette thing, get a laugh. <laughs> I was thinking about preaching on a Winston hat tonight just to win the crowd over. Um, so the reporter said, no, I know they get it from the charging port. Where is the charging port getting its electricity from? She goes, I don't know. And she says to her assistant, and he goes, the coal plant. So e even that, you can't tell me then. So then it doesn't do anything to help do away with fossil fuels. So I believe the electric car thing so that they'd actually be able to restrict mobility, um, turn your car off or have a limit on how many miles you can drive kind of thing. So I'm going to get ahead of it. It's not hard to outthink the devil. He's not bright. And I believe they would do something if there was a failure in the power grid the same way they did essential and non-essential businesses and they made the church non-essential. They would have essential and non-essential power. So Sunday, mor Sunday morning is a very high power usage time. We need it for hospitals and grocery stores. We can't have it for church. So whether it's natural gas or what, I'm going to get everything hooked up there and um, just outthink the devil. Got to be smart. The Bible says, be as harmless as doves, wise as serpents. Many Christians get an A plus in the doves part and an F in the serpents. So you're harmless, you're not looking to hurt people, but you outthink the devil. Amen? I believe that bank is going to take off because people are sick of that. Just like it was a great time to start a church in 2020, 2021, because people's churches went nuts. It's a great time to do a bank because people, people are done with that. They, the government wanted us to show that at least 200 people had interest. We had over 5,000 people fill out the form that they were interested, and we barely even pushed it. So, going to be a bad year for the devil and a good year for us. Amen? Hey, this is Jonathan Shuttlesworth. I want to thank you for listening to my podcast, or if you're listening to my wife's. Thank you on her behalf. If you want to be more than just a casual listener and stand with us as we take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, go to RevivalToday.com and click Give Now and be a part of the 1,000 monthly partners that we're believing for. I have a special gift that I'll send to you today, and I'll say thank you in advance. Until next time, thanks for listening. See you later.